What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Tedline. Ministry 
from 2000. Um, I changed it in 2017, so it had to have been my theme song from about um, 2000. Nine or something like that, 2008, 2009. But the title of that song is Faith Enough. Faith Enough. So, Father God, I thank you this morning that you have given us faith enough. Faith enough for whatever it is required to fulfill your plan and your purpose for our being alive on this earth uh, today. And I thank you, Father God, that you are instilling and building even more faith. But God, my prayer this morning is that people have a tendency, God, to get to somewhere they've never been before and want to park there. They want to stay there. I mean, you know, they they living better or they eating better or they in a better position on their job or just in a better position in their life. But Lord God, you know, we can't park there. We got to continue this mission or the whatever it is, that you have purpose for the life of that individual. So this morning, my prayer is that you would give us strength and understanding. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Nobody can stop you, God. And they they cannot stop what you're doing because it's already being initiated And it's already in motion. So that's my prayer this morning. Brothers and sisters, I want to uh, incorporate a couple of things. Oh, yeah, by the way, thank you, uh, Apostle Gene, for sending me that text. Brothers and sisters, remember the other day I said to you, I said, watch oil. And, and and everybody knew that oil stocks were down. So you could have taken that any kind of way, but but I meant it because the Holy Ghost spoke that through me. Do you know yesterday oil stocks were up, and they don't they say they don't know how it happened. So I went I went to that um, website that Apostle Gene um, had sent me. Because I forgot about it. I have so much going on daily, every day, that the Holy Ghost will speak something through my mouth, and then I'll just forget about it and go on. But yesterday, oil stocks rose. So when I went on there to see it, and I asked God, he said, I'm just giving you glimpses. He said, I'm just giving you glimpses of where and what I'm taking you into, just glimpses. Because he said, my counsel is whole. My deliverance is whole. My blessings are whole. 
So when I was looking at the site and I saw that the oil had, had gone up per barrel because it had dropped. It, I, when I said that, I think oil was at its lowest. But see, I have to be very, very careful because I don't want to get caught up. That's what that's that's what that's what I was delivered from. That stock market. That's how I lost all my money. Playing the stock market. I mean, the, all of them. To Nikki Dow, I used to. Anyway, I don't even want to go there because there ain't no glory in it for me. But when I was looking over that thing, I'm just gonna tell you, God. Use that to let me know how men and women back in the day went from dirt poor and broke. But but I knew that. I knew it. And became millionaires and billionaires through oil. But but what God was wanting me to see is a natural resource. It's, it is a it is a natural resource, just like gold, just like diamonds, emeralds. Those things come from the earth, and the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's. That the devil controls uh, the the little g. System, the system of the world is what he controls. Good morning, Glennis. God is in the process of teaching you something. Like right now. Right now, uh, Glennis, God is in the process of teaching you something. And it it involves your faith in him. And I'm sure you already know that ain't nothing going to happen to this world because the Bible said that the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. I know you already know that. I'm just, sometimes I just be throwing stuff out there. But um, that's interesting about that all. That's interesting about natural resources. And that's interesting about where we are right now in Christ Jesus. You see, we are living in an unprecedented moment of time, Kairos, when change, change is accelerating. The world, the whole world, the world is establishing a new normal. So there, and we don't live after the world. We're supposed to be ahead of the world because God says He does nothing except He reveal it unto His prophets first. So we're not supposed to be following after the world because if you're trying to follow after the world and live after the world, you're getting it second hand. But if you're following and living after God and in God and with God and by God, 
you already have a glimpse of what's happening. And then the world follows the glimpse you have. And that's why the devil's so treacherous and such a trickster. He wants to try to make the people follow after the world, which makes us following after something that we cannot do because we cannot live under the course of the world and follow God. It's just impossible. Because God didn't create you to follow him. I mean, follow the world and the world system. That's why he says he brings you out of the world. And he explains to you and I, you know, what this world is. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. So many of you are going through changes right now. And these changes that you're going through are in the process of creating who you're going to be for the rest of your life in this new norm. And, and not only were you, you weren't made to survive in it, you were made to thrive by God, that is, to thrive. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to allow God to say who you are. And you're going to have to allow God to make you into what you're already becoming. Don't even think about, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Don't try to go back, period. You see, God has already called us to be a peculiar, triumphant people. It is time for you and I to allow God's own Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and carry us into our new place. You're not on the verge of anything, brothers and sisters. You're smack dab in the middle of it. But as is the devil's custom, he's trying to take you back. He's trying to make you look back, act back, and think back. But the Bible has a remedy for those who act back, think back, look back, and go back. So please. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know when uh, uh, I send, I, I mean, I, I hung a picture up. I hung a picture up on the wall in um in the church yesterday, and it was Moses. I've had this picture for years. I remember when I first got it and took it to the frame shop and had it framed. And it's it's, it's really nice. But it's Moses with his rod, you know. And it's the wall of water. 
as the children of Israel are crossing that Red Sea. And as I was looking at that picture, I was thinking, man, there were some people in the front, there were some people in the middle, and there were some people in the end. Of, of all those millions of people crossing through a highway that was made from the bottom of the sea where God says God called the east winds to blow and create those walls of water. Water on the left, water on the right, water even in front of them. And certainly there wasn't any water. I guess they could see it. But it wasn't until Pharaoh's Pharaoh commanded his army to go get them and bring them up back. That water began to rush in and close in. And, and I would like to think in my own mind that there were some stragglers. There may have been some people at the back of the line and they were back there because they were uncertain because they were dragging their feet. They didn't really want to go forward, but they knew they had no, no, no hope behind them. So they were at the end of that line. And my thought was, God saved them, even although they were the end of, at the end of the line. And God knew the exact point to allow the water to come in and destroy Pharaoh's army. And still spare those who were struggling at the end of the line. Don't do it. Don't let it be you. Do not let it be you. You see, as I was, the last two chairs came. The last two for the church yesterday. And I knew, I knew inside of my knower that God was going to have this ministry here ready, this church house, when this uh, coronavirus thing lifted. You see, now I just have to clean it up and put things in place. But but for the most part, that's done. That's just the top level. I'm going to go to the bottom level later. But when the last two chairs came and uh, and the and the UPS driver put them on the landing because we have a truck landing here with the truck. I mean, with the church. And he set those chairs and Brother Joe and Jose received them. They received them. And then they came and got me and they said, the chairs are here. I went back there, I said, and they I said, open up the box and let me see that they're the right color and that they're they're right. So they opened up the box and I looked at the chairs and they were the best of all the chairs. They were the the 
the the best of all the chairs, and I mean we got chairs. That place over there holds a couple hundred. But you see, I didn't do it like, a, it's not like, this is not like church yesterday. It's not like church yesterday. This, this is set up for the purpose of freeing people, spirit, soul, and body. It's set up for salvation. And, and I'm giving God all the glory. So when the last two chairs came, I looked at them, and I just came on back over here because I was uh, over here in the sanctuary. You have to see how it's set up. But the scripture came in my heart. And that scripture was Titus 3 and 4. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Hey, Ginger, how you feeling this morning? Can somebody post Titus chapter 3, verse 4? Ginger, can you give me a report this morning? How you feeling? Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Amplified. But when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared in human form as the man, Jesus Christ. I was overcome. I was overcome by a spirit of accomplishment. I was flat out overcome because when I walked in here and I sent a couple of people pictures. There was nothing but a big room. When I called the, the cleaning people to come in here and clean this church, it, it was not clean. It was it had it, it had said it, it was so dusty, so dirty. That all they did was get it clean enough and fresh enough for us to come in here and clean it. I mean, really clean and really make it fit for the people of God. When I sat here and I thought about how we had to breathe all that dust and how I had to ask Brother Joe and Jose to sleep in this dirt and this dust with me. And the only thing we had to sleep on, and I wanted to sleep on the pews. I wanted to sleep on the pews so that I could begin to pray in the anointing. And one night, and the first night, you know, it was cold in here. It was really cold. 
And you got to understand, I did this knowing I had a six-bedroom house over there. Nice house. And the healing home is nicer than my house. But God said, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's time to prepare my house. And then, and and I kid you not, the healing, if you've never been here, you've never seen it, but the healing home is very nice. And my house was a nice house. But but the Lord said, you're going to give up your house and you're going to move in my house. And as a missionary, I know how to do that. I know how to, and as a soldier, you know, I'm used to sleeping on the ground. It was a whole lot better than sleeping on the ground. But this is what happened yesterday. As I sat in the last chair, I I came back over here, then Jose came back and said the chairs are up and ready. So I went in there and I looked at those chairs and I said, man, these are the best chairs of all the chairs. And I sat in the chair and I said, man, this is the strongest. These are the best chairs. And you see, I, it wasn't like I could go and sit in them and say, I'm okay, I'm going to be here. I had to trust God. I had to trust God what what chairs, and you, and you know when you order stuff, it ain't never exactly like the picture. But everything I ordered was better than the picture because I was trusting God. I had to trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed me the room complete. He said, but it didn't dawn on me until yesterday when the last chairs came and I looked around the room and the Lord said, I have prepared a new banqueting table. I said, hmm. That's that's exactly what these all look like. They're not like the the, fella, the the area over there is is just like I'm gonna I'm gonna send put some pictures up soon, but it's like I'm inviting you and I've always said this into the Lord's house, into the Lord's house, brothers and sisters, and the Lord said, you're not gonna have a what they call these uh, dedications. He said, you're going to have a celebration service. And you're going to prepare a love feast. And you're going to invite who I ask you to invite that's in line with my faith come to the celebration and love this because it's going to have a twofold purpose 
Now, what the twofold purpose is just yet, I don't know. But you see, what I learned in all of this is that I allowed myself to align myself with God's timing. I allowed myself to align myself with God's vision for what he's doing. So by allowing myself to align myself, I allow myself to be prepared to step right into God's next level of blessing because I got to bring you with me. I've got to I've got to bring God's people with me. But only those who want to cross over. Only those that want to grow, mature, step up by faith. So what happened is when I sat down there, not right away, but last night, after I put the, actually, when Jose finished the chairs, he put them at the table that they go to. And so last night when I went in, in, in there, I just sat down and boo-hoo cried. I mean, I just, I just lost it. And I lost it. And they weren't tears of, they, they weren't tears of. There were tears of accomplishment. They were tears kind of like an artist when they take a blank palette and they begin to translate what God is, how God is moving through them. And Glennis, I, I, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying how you, as a decorator, you have to see it in the eyes of your client, and you have to see it in the eyes of God, and then you have to see it with your own eyes. Because when you take that first step out, it's in the process of making it happen, in the process of pulling it together, in the process of transforming what you see in your heart and in your mind's eye into tangible reality around you. And that's what faith does. That, brothers and sisters, is what faith does, and that is how faith uh, works. But then back to Titus, it says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. I had to think about all the offerings that came that allowed me to accomplish this. I had to think about all the people that prayed, prayed for this ministry. 
I had to think about it was it was people just like me, people of faith, that brought this into manifestation. And then God did it. But he only had three people to work with through. He only had three people. Myself, Brother Joe, and Jose. And as I sat there at one of the banquet tables, banqueting table, crying, crying to God saying, thank you. Crying to God saying, God, we did it. We did it. We did it, God, just like you put it in front of my eyes for it to look like. It looks exactly like that. When I said I couldn't deal with the dirty blue carpet that had been down there since I don't know when, but the building was built in the 50s. The ground had been sanctified to God, though, because it was the first Assemblies of God church, and it was built as a quality structure. And I said, thank you, God. I said, somebody's going to know, and somebody's going to be able to see, and somebody's going to be able to recognize that this was done obeying the vision of God. That this was done obeying the sight, the image that God portrayed in front of my eyes that turned into a tangibility, that turned into now something that can be used for his kingdom. Not not willing to sit and have people walk holy feet on dirty, filthy carpet. Now this probably don't mean nothing to some of you. But to some of you, you know where I'm coming from this morning. I cried tears of joy, tears of accomplishment, tears that I did not allow no witches, no wizards, no devils, no demons. I did not allow any evil human spirit to stop what God said could be done. And this morning, I'm here to tell you, it is accomplished, and it is well with my soul. All we have to do now is clean up. This is phase one. All I needed was phase one. Phase two can happen as we're living it out. It is finished. It's ready. God sent you to help me accomplish it. You did, I did, he did, and he's going to do. But you got to be able to see it through the eyes of faith first. 
You got to be able to see it before you can tangibly touch it. You don't know how many crazy opportunities people brought to me. Crazy stuff. And I said, nope. I will not come down until this is finished. They hit Brother Joe. They hit Jose. They hit me. It didn't matter. It will be accomplished. That was my mantra. It will be finished. And I didn't compromise. And I didn't take no second class trash. Because this was done for God, by God's own people. It's finished now. The phase one is finished. The grass outside is neatly trimmed and edged. I got a bin full of refuge out there all by the garbage can, but I'm going to get somebody to haul that away. Because each piece of the cardboard represented something being added to the house of God. This is the house of God. The banqueting tables are being prepared. As I sat there weeping, I remembered all the churches I went to to buy a church, to look for a church to prepare a home for God stewarded by the deadline but built on the foundation of Jesus believers. Believers. If you're not a believer, God will make you one. If you let him. So then this morning, after all the tears was gone and the joy was there and I woke up in peace and I looked around and all I could say out of my heart was thank you, God. Thank you. And I told God, I said, you know what, God? I said, I may be... um, Dead and gone to glory. But this right here will still stand. It'll stand as a legacy to you and faith. To you and faith. You see, I was talking to one Ted Liner about the womb of God in a conversation. And what did God do? I'm talking to him about the womb of God, and God shows me the womb of hell. And God shows me, and and there's people on this line that can attest to this, because I didn't know. I had to say to them doing ministry, I said, wait a minute. I don't know if this is you or if God is showing me something because he got all these anointings together. He had enough power together. 
But then he showed me leading people out right through the middle of the womb of hell. And it's horrible. You should see it. Horrible. And I told him, I said, I see a golden city. A golden city. But but we had to pass through this womb of hell first. I'll never forget that as long as I live. But you see, it, it, God, he's not going to create us and throw us away to the devil. We don't belong to the devil. We don't belong to him. Hell wasn't created for us. And that's why God showed me how to navigate it. And boy, I still need to draw it. But but I was able to navigate it. And that's what's important. I was able to navigate it, me and the people that were that that God had in, in this in this um open vision. While we praying for something else, God brought these three anointings together. And gave me a full open vision how to navigate the womb of hell and get out and, and bring people out. Now, in the vision, I didn't come out yet. Because, you see, when you're navigating the womb of hell and you're navigating hell, it, there are areas where you turn and you can't see what's ahead of you. You can't see what's around the next bend. And that's where your faith comes in because you have to keep moving by faith. But it's there. The golden city is there. Breakthrough is there. Blessings are there, but you got to navigate. You got to navigate. You got to navigate through hell to get to it. And I saw, I saw some that didn't make it. I saw a lot that didn't make it. I saw. I'm going to have to sit down and really write what I saw that that day, that night, that evening. But I know one thing. You don't want to you don't want to be caught there. You don't want to be caught in that. You don't want to you don't want to linger too long in it. You want to keep moving. That's what I was doing. Keep kept moving. But I kept my hands on the those people I was coming out with, and I kept my eyes on Jesus who was ahead of me. So that means you had to walk kind of, I don't know how to describe that, but um, this morning, I told you I found various um, USBs with my old, old teachings. And in that, I found this. Let my people go, saith the Lord, that they may serve me. God's love and mercy is calling for the loosing of his people from their hidden spiritual oppression and their bondage to their sins, iniquities, and transgressions with all of the demonic influence and oppressive effects upon their lives. I wrote this here in um, 
2015. Many of the men and women of God are suffering needlessly, masking their pain. Many of them are suffering silently, not having a clue as to what their real problem is or how to obtain the answers that God has promised them through his word. They have found that they are unable to operate through the Holy Spirit's gifting, unable to experience the power and authority that has been given to them by God. God's people are seemingly accepting the deceptions of Satan, making God appear to be limited in his ability feeling that God has disappointed them. Why? Why? Because the enemy has cleverly unloosed a spiritual plan that has caused them to believe a lie. That lie being that serving God in the fullness of his power is too difficult for them to achieve. The devil has tired them out beat them down, and exasperated them. How? He has them operating under the hidden works of darkness and hidden oppression. I would like to ask you to help me in this mission of love, mercy, and power. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus 1 and 8, Exodus 8 and 20, Exodus 9 and 1, Exodus 9, 13, and Exodus 10 and 3. My mission is to reconnect God's people to Jesus and restore them back to God. The amount of suffering in God's church today brings God no glory. My mission is to cleanse and heal the people, relieve the suffering, restore them to God, and watch God's glory unfold. And then I put, will you help me? (laughs) Will you help me? I want to, I'm going to do some deliverance this morning. And I'm going to do deliverance from the seed and the root spirits of anti-self. Can, can a few people write that down? Anti-self. A-N-T-I dash or hyphen S-E-L-F. Anti-self. And then I'm going to end it with understanding God's call on your life. Understanding God's call on your life. Because sometimes you can't understand it until you get rid of those root spirits. Seed spirits of anti-self. Anti-self. Anti-self, brothers and sisters. 
This one I have here. Knowing who you are in Christ is vital to your spiritual growth, healing, and deliverance. If you have a problem in this area of your life, then the process of God's inner healing and deliverance can be hindered. Overcoming this roadblock of anti-self is essential to moving forward smoothly and efficiently in working with the other bondages in your life. It's not Satanism, witchcraft, and those heavier areas that Satan is found in, and especially not in the life of a believer. It is the issues of self-hate, rejection, abuse, and those more common things in people's lives. Now, of course, I'm not saying that Satan and evil spirits don't run rapid in witchcraft, Satanism, and so forth. But do you know why people get involved in many of those things? Rejection, for example, is one of the main forces that push our youth right into gangs, witchcraft, and Satanism. Rebellion and insecurity are among the forces that push people into witchcraft, power, manipulation, control, etc. If you take away the root causes of spiritual problems, rejection, insecurity, rebellion, self-hate, unforgiveness, and so forth, then we have to seriously question If Satanism, witchcraft, and the heavier things of this world would even have a chance. There's a spirit called anti-self. It is built upon self-unforgiveness, self-resentment, self-hatred, self-rejection. And these, brothers and sisters, are major sources of many, many, many physical and spiritual sin sicknesses. Brothers and sisters, Let me ask you this question. What is your identity based upon? I can remember when I first met Jose. Every other word out of his mouth would be, I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist. At that time, Jose's whole identity was based on the fact that he's a scientist. And I can remember saying, okay, you're a scientist. 
But who are you? Who are you? Is your identity based on your relationship, brothers and sisters? I remember saying, Jose, that's just your job. That's what you do. I have a cousin who's a doctor. And that's all he talks about. I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. And so one day, my mother said, well, you weren't a doctor when you were running around here with them snotty nose. You were running around here snotty nose and pooping in your diapers. So what you need to be saying is, doctor is your job. She went, <laughs> She had to straighten my cousin out. <laughs> he got it. Is, is your identity based on, and please hear me, what others think of you and whether or not others accept you? Is your identity based on what your parents said about you? while you were growing up? Is your identity based on what you think about yourself? The question is, please write this in the chat room, what should you base your identity upon? Brothers and sisters, your identity needs to be based upon what God thinks about you. Your identity needs to be based upon what God says about you. You see, even what you think about yourself can be wrong, and in many times it is. You see, What God thinks about you is the only accurate perception of who you really are. After all, he made you, and he knows the very hairs on your head. And God says, fear not. Because you are of more value even than the sparrows. I want to tell you something this morning. There's nobody on the face of this earth. Hear me. Hear me. There's nobody on the face of this earth that pays more attention to you or cares more for you than your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father knows which number hair in your head is 212. The number 212 hair in your head, God knows which hair it is. And God knows the day that it will either fall out be pushed out, or just be straightened out. 
if it's anybody that's capable of setting the record straight about you and your self-worth is God. And the way you find out about how God thinks about you and what God says about you is through his word. You see, God made you and God wanted you here. Wherever here is, wherever you are right now, this moment, God wanted you here. Even if you came into this world through misery, pain, incest, rape, whatever, God wanted his child, a child of his, here right now at this moment. You see, God is the one who created your life. God is the one, hallelujah, that created your human spirit. Human beings cannot do that. A man and a woman can lie together and create the environment for the egg to be conceived. But it is God and only God alone that creates the human spirit which is attached to that egg in the womb. And God says to us that he formed us in our mother's womb. The Bible says, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were passions, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. Please post this. Seeing yourself as a child of the king is not prideful and it is not boastful but rather aligning your thinking with God's thinking aligning your thinking with what God's word has to say about you and a pure and simple acceptance of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, if God calls you pure, clean, and a member of his royal family, yet you continue to go around claiming that you're just whatever. Again, you lying on God. 
you denying what Christ has done for you. Our Lord and Savior made you a new creature when you accepted him. And that new creature is no longer in bondage to sin. A sinner is defined in the dictionary as somebody who is still in bondage to sin. We may sin once in a while, but that's because we're saints who sin, not sinners whose nature it is to sin. I think tomorrow I'm going to teach you about the sin nature. Let me ask you this question. If God were a painter, an artist, would you love his artwork? Or would you stand before him and think, yuck, who made that? It is vitally important for you to enjoy and appreciate what God has created and artistically designed, that being you. You see, when you love God, And when you extend that wonderful love of God to yourself, you are loving the painting and the artwork of God. Satan, the devil Lucifer, wants you to hate yourself. Are you hearing me? He wants you to dislike yourself. He doesn't want you to know yourself. You see, he wants you to walk around here full of self-hate. Why? Because it is destructive spiritually. You cannot truly hear my heart this morning. You cannot truly love anybody unless you truly love yourself. And I don't mean vanity. I'm talking about have just flowing out of you that feeling of peace because you're not anxious about you. Because you're not anxious about God. It's having that knowing It's that knowing and the other thing. Until you can truly, truly have that love of yourself through Christ, you know what? You will fail to love others. I mean genuinely love them. I mean, genuinely um, serving God and loving his people because his people are many, many people are only going to be able to love him as they experience his love coming through you, out of you, 
from his own Holy Spirit to them. Brothers and sisters, if you fail to love others, please hear me this morning, then you are not keeping the commandments of Jesus. Because Jesus has commanded you to love one another. You see, Satan wants your thinking to be incomplete. He wants your thinking to be in complete disagreement with God's thinking about who? Yourself and everybody else. He knows if he can keep you in um, in an identity stronghold. He knows that. If he can keep you in an identity stronghold, you'll be saddled with low self-worth, no self-worth, low self-esteem. And then you know what he does? He continuously, he, he, he tells us about it. He tells us that we have no value. He tells us that the, but your value is in what kind of car you got or what kind of house you live in. Why? Because he wants to use guilt, false humility, and dead religious thinking to cause us to look down upon ourselves. He wants you to believe this lie that there's humility and poverty. It's a lie. Ain't nothing in poverty that's humbling. When you poor and broke, you can't help nobody. You can't do nothing for God. That's why he brings you up out of it, if you let him. If you let him. Have you been listening to the devil's lies? Have you been basing your identity upon what the devil tells you, what the devil shows you, what the devil says? You're wrong. You're sinning against God. It is absolutely essential. It is essential for you to know that you've been forgiven. As long as you question your status with God, the healing, your healing is being held back. False guilt. Unforgiveness work together. They work together. When you forgive yourself as God has forgiven us, the guilt that Satan's been pushing on you, shoving down your throat, disappears like a vapor. That playback from whoever talking to you in your ears because they haven't forgiven you, because they haven't forgiven themselves, it brings you into self-unforgiveness. And that turns into self-hatred. 
and that turns into self-bondage. And eventually, you will deny the work that Christ has done for you on the cross. Brothers and sisters, listen. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. Please understand that there is no sin. There's no sin that you can take to the Lord and not be forgiven of. Did you realize Think about how many marriages and relationships are destroyed every second because of self-hate. You see, when a person does not respect themselves, they lose respect for others and ultimately They do not respect God himself. You see, brothers and sisters, we can only genuinely love others. I said, we can only genuinely love others when we first love God and ourselves. Folks, this in the chat room. The entire quality of a person's life is downgraded when a person fails to love themselves. The entire quality of a person's life is downgraded when a person fails to appreciate the person that God has made within them. The negative effect of anti-self-bondage is unbelievable. And this is why such important bondage has to be addressed. Those anti-self-strongholds must be torn down. Anti-self-bondage does involve demonic spirits. Anti-self-bondage involves demonic seeds. Anti-self-bondage involves demonic roots that must be exposed, must be removed and must be destroyed. And the spirits operating behind them must be cast out in order to bring true and lasting freedom into the life of an individual. The seeds and the roots that demon spirits are holding on to 
have caused inner wounds. Cause they, they deliberately try to take away the purpose that God has ordained for your life. But I want to tell you something this morning. Your life has meaning. <clears throat> and God has a purpose for your life. <clears throat> God has given you a powerful calling. God has given you responsibility in his body of Christ. God has given you responsibility to carry out the work and the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here on this earth today. And guess what? Properly perceiving yourself. Properly perceiving yourself will greatly affect your ability to carry out the mission that God has called you to. And brothers and sisters, the only way and the way is you having an intimate and passionate love relationship with God. This is the key that opens the door that allows you to walk in the fullness and the glory that God has called you to. The first thing you have to acknowledge is that you've been redeemed, brothers and sisters. That you've been redeemed. That you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That you are seated with Christ Jesus in spiritual places. Brothers and sisters, that you, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, hallelujah, have been filled with the power and the authority. And that your Father God loves you. Your Father God has an eternal, unmatched love for you. You see, Jesus said that his Father loved him. In John chapter 7, verse 23. And you got to go forth saying, my Father loves me. You got to go forth knowing that you have aligned your thoughts towards God to the point that God's thoughts become your thoughts. That you've aligned yourself with God to the point that you know, that you know Christ in you, that Christ in you it's big because you serve a big God, a big God that loves 
you got to know that you've been redeemed. You've been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. You've got to know it. You've got to know it. And only then, only then, can you demonstrate it. Brothers and sisters, you got to know that you are valuable to God. Valuable. That your Father God has invested everything in His Son Jesus. And that His Son Jesus has invested everything in God's own Holy Spirit. And that everything that God and Jesus, everything that they are, by his own Holy Spirit, is invested in you.
confused. 